0: Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, Here's your host, Rhody Fisher.
1: Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher. pray, Father, we welcome you here this morning. We ask, uh, I love the word that was said, this morning clarity, as to thank guiders to each of us today, um, especially my special guests, as well as Guy and Sean, self, even Mar- Marlene's husband is outside the Bible, all of us to ask this all in Jesus' name. Well, we are in... Psalm 39, and um, I am just going to start reading out of the um, uh, James, and again, it's a psalm where where David is kind of going over some of the things that... He struggled with before, people chasing him, sin, all of the things that probably have problems with, too, and have to go to the Lord and remind him how sorry we are. But anyhow, Father, we ask that you give us understanding of your word. So we're in Psalm 39, and it says, I said, I will take heed to my, I said, I will take to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. You know, the Bible talks about our tongue having so much strength. It's like a rudder on a boat can move the boat, you know, where it wants to go. And some of the words that we say are not really edifying, especially when I'm driving. That's that's my weakest part. I mean, I want to tell everybody on the road how to drive and more. So, yeah, we have to be careful of our words and our tongue. And also, the Bible says that we will be accountable for every idle word. Um, I heard one time that, um, that, and maybe this is why I'm talking so much, but I heard one time that men have like 25,000 words a day. These are men. And women have like 40 or 45 times, I mean, 45,000 words a day. So it's like almost double And now that we've got two girls on today, today, I guess I feel like talking more. I feel more comfortable. But, you know, those idle words, we are going to have to account for those words. And um, I remember my mother told me once how, you know, you've got a degree in snide. You really need to be careful of those words. Now we really do have to be careful of what we say because words can tear down or build up. So we want to be able to build up. I, I know that um, um, I have certain friends that I talk to or pray with every day. And, you know, we're there to kind of edify each other. So here we go. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burnt. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, know mine end." And the measure of my days is it that I may know how frail I am behold thou hast made my days as a handbreadth and my age is as nothing before thee verily every man at his best state alter- altogether van- vanity vanity say surely every man walketh in a vain sh- shoe surely they are disquieted in vain he heaped up his riches and knoweth not who shall gather them and now lord what wait i for my hope is in thee deliver me from my transgressions make me not the reproach of fool foolish of the foolish I was dumb, I opened not my mouth, because thou didst. Remove thy stroke away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thy hand. When thou rebukes, dost correct man for iniquity. Thou makest his beauty to consume away like a, like a moth. Surely every man is vanity, Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. <clears throat> Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner. As all my fathers were, spare me that I may recover strength, for I go hence and be no more. So he's he's really talking about, you know, being at the end here. But he, I love the way he just pours out his heart, and, and you know, God wants us to be honest in our prayers and just pour our hearts out, and does. And he wants us to have this relationship with him by praying and never ceasing. Um, Anyhow, thank you for your word, Lord, and pray that you'd give us understanding of your word as well as hide it. Okay, well, listeners, I do want to tell you that for the last few days... I have had Dr. Jeff Cran um, spoke with us, not just about his testimony, but we shared um, different subjects in the Bible, especially because he's such an expert on the Old Testament and seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, the Trinity in the Old Testament, um, and things like that. So I um, I get to interview today his wife, and um, I was excited to do this. I was excited that she came along um, so we could have some girl time. There's so many guys around (laughs) here. And welcome, Marlene. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. Now, I did, um, I I said to, to Jeff when we were talking, so there's always a good woman behind a man. And I'm sure she does a lot of the work behind the scenes that you don't even know about, you know, like scheduling his plans and stuff. So here she is. So welcome. Thank you. Now, I, I, like to, um, I like to talk about people's past and how they were brought up and um, where they were born and a little bit about themselves because I like for people out there to connect. Um, I also like to share, have people share their testimony. And I was um, saying this the other day um, and earlier today. Because of that scripture, um, we will overcome by blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. And as I was talking to um, Sean, he said, you know, it was due to a testimony. Of Someone else that I came to know Christ. Sometimes that is it. You know, we connect with someone, someone's testimony or their previous life and say to ourselves, hey, that's me. That's where I'm going. And then they can connect with them and their hearts are stirred. And that's what causes them to accept Lord. And I think that is what the Lord has called me to do. I really feel like this show is all about um, sharing our testimony so it resonates well and they too can accept the Lord. It's harvest time. You know, the Bible says field is white for harvest. Um, So if you could share a little bit about your background as to where you were born, where you grew up, how many kids in the family, so we can kind of get a sense of who
2: were before you accepted the Lord. Well, I was born in New Jersey, so I'm a Jersey girl. Oh, Yeah. Um, and I have an older brother and a younger brother. So I was smack dab in the middle and the only girl. Wow. So um, I that meant I did a lot of the things around the house, you know, of course, because that's what girls do. Yeah, that
1: and, you know, I, I remember doing that with my sister. We had chores, yeah. girl chores. But the boys had boy, tr- boy, boy chores. chores yeah. um, we kind of grew up in that type of s- the style of house anyway. But you a daddy's girl,
2: too? I was. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: see, I thought I was, too. <laughs>
2: My father was a very unique individual. He um, was from Maine. He came down to New Jersey, met my mother on a blind date. Really? Um, yeah. And so, but he was um, extremely crippled with arthritis and he couldn't really move a lot. And he, but he worked incredible, you know, now, an incredible much. Was he in a wheelchair? Never. Okay. Not well. At the end of his life, he was in a okay. wheelchair. So he was able to get around and work right. in spite of the pain. And one of the things that the doctor told him and my grandmother um, when he was about 18 was, "Is we can do the surgery on you, and it could straighten everything out. It could never be crippled again, or could end up in a wheelchair. It's a 50 50 chance." And he said, "I'll just live the way that I've been living. I'm comfortable doing it." He he'd climb ladders and climb on the roof and clean chimneys and
1: really yeah things (laughs)
2: like that. So it never his handicap never um, stopped him stopped him from doing anything. And the doctors told him, told his mom that he would never grow up and he would never have any children. So, and he had three and I'm the, I'm the shortest of them. And I'm, you know, about five, eight. I think you're taller than that, but
1: (laughs) I know when you stand next to me, you're
2: pretty tall. But yeah, you are tall. So, um, and the boys must be bigger. They are. They're uh, about six feet, six one, six two. Okay, um, like the rest of my dad's, you know, brothers were. Yeah. So,
1: now, um, did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you go to parochial school and um, Sunday
2: school and all of that? Or I grew up in um, I grew up in in a Christian home. Uh, My mom and dad were both Christians. My grandfather on my mother's side was a pastor. Mm-hmm. So um she was a PK. Yeah. So um one of the things that uh that in my growing up years, I couldn't really get away with anything because my pastor and my f- grandfather were best friends. And mm. so if I, you know, did anything wrong at church, then my grandfather knew, and then my grandmother knew, and then my mother knew. and But my mom taught Sunday school in the church. She used to love the uh, twos and three year olds teaching the two year olds. So, you know, I now we were very involved in the church.
1: So, were you a little bit like what we did at home as? Kids, did you have to pray before meals, pray before you went to bed, memorize scripture? Yep. Those were the things
2: that you yep. had to do. Oh, yeah. Um, those are very much the things. I was involved in what was called Pioneer Girls, mm-hmm. and that um, was a group that was a part of the Baptist. It's it's kind of like a, an Awanas or a um, uh, Girl Scouts, basically, and it was called Pioneer Girls, and I was involved in that for a long time. Um, actually, all the way through. <coughs> Sorry. Go ahead. All the way through my growing up years, and you know, until uh, Pioneer Girls ended, you know, I couldn't be there. And then I became a leader. So I've been involved in a church for a long time. Now, when I was, uh, when I was about. Seven. Actually, when I was about four, um, I talked to my mom about, um, you know, what I'd been learning in church. And I wanted to know if uh, I could ask Jesus into my heart for. And so she really didn't um, she really didn't uh, think that four year olds could really understand a lot of the stuff. But I gave her all the verses and, you know, told her all about um, told her how about I wanted Jesus as my savior. Um, and then, uh, but then I was baptized at seven as well, um, because uh, my pastor kind of wouldn't let me um, get baptized at four because he'd never baptized a four-year-old before. And he, he also felt that, you know, I didn't understand the full ramifications of baptism and everything else. So I went through baptism classes. At four? No, at seven. At seven. But one of the things that, um, I kept asking him over and over again was, is if, um, this is a precursor actually to, you know, everything that's gone now. Um, one of the things I asked him was, uh, if the Jewish people were the people of the book, why aren't they all Christians? And so I'd ask him questions like that over and over, even at seven. And he had to go back to a Jewish missionary that um, he knew to, to find out all the answers to the questions. So... um that was very interesting.
1: Okay, so you're telling me then that at 4 years old you wanted to accept Jesus into mm-hmm. your heart and your mother um, decides that she she waits until you're 7. No,
2: I got I got saved at 4, but, but I got wait, baptized, baptized at, at 7. seven. Yeah.
1: So your mother decides to wait till you're 7 to get baptized. But tell me um Tell me kind of what you understood it for, because I'm going to tell you, and I've said the story before on the air. So at three years old, I can remember standing in our church and the tree looked like it was as tall as a mountain. And I remember standing there and I thought, God, are you on the top of the tree, in the middle of the tree? Or are you right here standing next to me, the bottom of the tree? And I knew there was a God at that time. I just didn't know what to call him. And, of course, it was a Christian church, and right. so everybody said his name was Jesus. And, <clears throat> you know, we believed in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I sensed that God was there. But I'm getting picture from you that it was more than just a sense. You understood that we're... Inviting the Lord into your heart, and we you were going to follow Him at four years old.
2: Yeah, uh, we had a. I had an, an advantage having a grandfather that was a pastor. Um, I also had a very good pastor for a pastor, and mm-hmm. he did not mince words. You know, so a lot of the times um, you would be sitting in church, and he would. He really explained that. You know, um, this is why you do what you do, and this is who. Jesus is, and this is who God is. And so I had a four-year-old's grasp of you know this, and one of the things that I said to my mom was, "Is I want I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven." Um, and that was my understanding. My understanding was, is I wanted to go to heaven to be with Jesus forever because you know He promised to be with me at all times. So
1: I, I actually know several people that have made a commitment as a child, as young as you were, and I the the reason I want to clarify that is so I could give people out there a sense that can be born again as a child and follow him for the rest of your life. You know, the Bible talks about about um, John the Baptist's mother's womb and leaped when he heard the voice of God, <clears throat> the voice of Mary, actually, but presence of God. So <clears throat> sorry about that. I've got a little tickle in my throat today. But
2: it's it's interesting. So you continued to walk with the Lord from four years old. I did. Um, I was not a rebellious child. Um, well, I was not a rebellious child in, you know, outward appearances or so anything. So wor- in the world sense. Right. In the world <laughs> sense. I was pretty straight. You know, that's That's why I say my testimony is dull and boring because I really didn't do anything that was ever bad, you know, or ever – ever-worldly. Uh, uh, uh. You know,
1: I, I can I ID with that, not for me, but for my husband, because he would do a Bible study with um, Victory Outreach, um, which were, you know, you know, a lot of the men were in prison. they have done drug, drug and alcohol, so at Recovery Home. And we <clears throat> did it for almost 20 years. But he would share his testimony saying, um, you know, I hate to say this, but I led a pretty vanilla life and I didn't really do a whole lot of things wrong. But I, too, needed a Savior, and that's the message. So um, so you led a, a very um, vanilla, let's just say. Yeah,
2: pretty much a vanilla life. There were things that happened, like, you know, when I was seven, something devastating happened. I asked the Lord, you know, why didn't you prevent, you know, that from happening? But um, it, I couldn't understand, you, you know, a couple of things through that. But I ended up using that situation because people will say to me, you're such a goody two-shoes. You know, you've never had anything wrong happen in your life. You couldn't possibly understand. And then I would say, and they go, oh, you're normal. It's like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I right. appreciate being normal. So- um, so at seven I was baptized and then I continued, you know, in the church and then I started having questions about um, you know, where my commitment to the Lord was when I was about thirteen or fourteen. And my pastor said, my pastor's name was uh Raymond Crawford. He was Raymond Henry Crawford and my grandfather was Raymond Henry Smith. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I had a little bit of that going on there. But um mm-hmm. At about 13, 13 or 14, I started really questioning what my relationship to God was really all about you know, in that teenage years. And so, so you're in junior high and yep. you're, you're questioning. And so I, uh, it wasn't, I was questioning so much as my salvation, but I was questioning my commitment, my mm-hmm. salvation. And so one of the things that uh, Pastor Crawford said in, in a sermon one morning was, um and I forgot, but okay. So this is your, <laughs> this is, this is the pastor oh, of yeah. the church yes. or the youth pastor? No, this is pastor of the church. Okay. We didn't have a youth pastor okay. back then. Um, um, oh, he said is... Jesus, just your Savior, or is He your Lord? And I thought, well, that's very interesting. So I came to the conclusion that at four, I understood that He needed to save me from my sins so that I could go to heaven. But at 13, I recommitted my life to Him because I now understood that I had to take Him from Savior to Lord because God has no grandchildren. Huh. So if you grew up in a Christian home, you know, you lived off of your parents' Christianity a lot of the time. Or you could, yes. And you had to have, so God has no grandchildren. He, each child in a a life, each person has to have their own personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And it has to come from the heart. And so at that point, I realized, yes, I had been a Christian. Yes, I was relying on him for salvation to get to heaven. But did I want to make him Lord of my life? Yes. So then you decide that's it. Yeah. And I said, I need to make you Lord of my life. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand is, When a child, a young child comes to the Lord, they come to the Lord in a certain understanding. I want to go to heaven. But unless the discipleship at home happens... You can't just leave it to the church. You have to, um, you have to to intentionally disciple, you know, someone in the home because that's where a lot of the learning happens. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll turn around and I'll say, "My mother used to say that." You know, so mm-hmm. we pick up a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, having going to being at church, going to that commitment of going to, you know, Pioneer Girls, that commitment of being there was always something that was very important because it helped further the spiritual growth and not be stunted. Let
1: me ask you a question. <clears throat> so a lot of the teaching came from your mom now your your
2: father is also active at the church. He um, worked two jobs oh okay. And so he would be at church, but there was a lot of the times that I didn't see him. Um, But he was, oh, very active in our lives. Okay. You know, um, which I was the only girl. Yes, (laughs) yes, you
1: were daddy's
2: girl. So, you know... um, Uh, So he he wasn't as involved in the church as mom was, but um, he was still. You make sure that you go. You make sure that you're there.
1: So your mother really applied the scripture, train up the child in the ways of the Lord and they will never depart from you type of training. Right.
2: Well, good. Well, she wasn't – and she wasn't perfect. Oh, who is? so. And then, I mean, there are many, many things that she'll, she'll come to me and, uh, la- later on in life. She came and she was like, did, did I really, <laughs> I was like, mom, sorry, you weren't perfect. Yeah. But, um, so then I got through high school, um, and, uh, it was 1980, see, so I graduated in 79. I'm dating myself here, mm-hmm. 1979, <laughs> Um, And then I went to a Bible school for a year um, in New Jersey at a place called Fellowship Deaconry, and they were very interesting because they were a bunch of um, German Lutheran Gals from Germany who came over to on missionary visas to witness in the United States. Really? Yeah, they were all on missionary visas, every okay. single one of them. So that was fascinating.
1: So <clears throat> let me take you back to your recommitment to the Lord in, in junior high. When do you feel? After this commitment of making him Lord of your life now, that you think, I need to do, I want to get into ministry of some sort, not because I have to, because I feel called and I love him. Never.
2: <laughs> okay, there's, a, there's an answer I didn't expect. <laughs> I, I really, I'm an administrator. Give me all the paperwork in the world, and I will do it. I love that sort of thing. Speaking to people, no, not so much. Um, I, I I struggle with that. I um, if I'm in a cra- I used to sing um, before, you know, I got old and crackly, and um, so. But I couldn't. I did a lot of solo work, you know, in the church.
1: Um, so you're talking about singing in the choir and singing
2: in front of the church, right? Okay, right. so there's a ministry for you, right? Well, I didn't necessarily think that it was a ministry. It was just something that I loved to do. Mm-hmm. See, I wasn't thinking of that at the time. Right. It was just something I loved to do. I loved working with, you know, so... Um, my my I, my mother um was 13 when she made
1: commitment to the lord and made you know him savior mm-hmm. i mean more than just savior at the time but lord of her life she <clears throat> she was asked at 18 become the assistant to the secretary and treasurer of the church doing background you know adding up checks or right, whatever right. it is and and logging in the book how much came in and t- filling out the baptismal paperwork for them. Was all book work, but that's a ministry.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, the only thing that I ever really felt called to, and this was from very young, the only thing that I ever, ever, ever wanted to be was a wife and a mom. Uh-huh. That I felt that that was my calling. Uh-huh. Um, so if you want to put a calling to I mean, that is a huge calling. Uh-huh. If you want to put a calling to it, that probably I knew from the time that I was like four or five, you know, that I really wanted to just be a wife and a mom. And then my young younger brother came along when I was seven. Mm -hmm. So I had a playmate, but I had somebody that, you know, I could take care of. And and I didn't play with dolls. I played with, you know, real babies, Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically. So... If you had to put a calling on it, it would be, you know, just as a wife and a mom, just, just as a wife and a mom. Mm -hmm. I didn't really feel, you know, called to go out and, you know, witness and everything that, that came later. Um, Okay. So um, you get out of
1: high school and you're still as, you know, as um, you say, still living this kind of straight and narrow life. Um, where do you go from there do you go to college do you go to a, a trade school do you just get a job what what do you do
2: I had uh, I went to Bible school for a year with at the fellowship deacon and then uh-huh. um, I came back home and went to work <coughs> um, just doing you know uh, various jobs at a temporary agency until I was hired as a, a cafeteria manager um, in so um uh, I also went to um, nurses, nursing assistant school, mm-hmm. so I was in, trying to be a nurse's aide. One of my problems was is I had a disability. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a test phobia. I could not take a test to save my life. You put that piece of paper in front of me, and I still to this day can't take a test. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, you put that test in front of me, and everything flew out the window. So what they had to do there is I would go in early, And the teacher would read the questions, and I would get every single one of them right. But if she put that information, if I put that information on a test, and I knew that through high school, too. So You know you're married to a doctor. Yes. (laughs) It's funny how God does that. He puts
1: people together that, you know, iron sharpens iron, and, you know, you, you fit in so tightly with the right person.
2: When I first met him um way back when i knew that he was going to go places and um that's getting further into the story but um i was warned not to marry him because he would be a poor missionary all of his life and i would never have you know enough money to do anything and i was like you know what i really believe that god wants me to be his helpmeet and it isn't going to matter, you know, whether we're poor or not, because obviously God's going to take care of us, and He did, yeah. you know. So um, I knew that I could never go for a formal education, but He could. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, let me back
1: you up a little bit <clears throat> because you're you're going to nursing school, trying um, and and going in that route. You've also gone to Bible school for a year, and. I'd like to kind of get you right at the point that you're meeting your your to be husband. How do you guys meet? <laughs> well, um <laughs> because we know you've said it and and I've already interviewed him on yeah. a previous show, so we already know that you he's full-time missionary. Yep. Um, and has been throughout your entire pretty much your entire married life, and the calling he he's um, an apologetist mm-hmm. and um, and knows this Bible the word in, inside and out and that's where he has his doctorate so we we we've already got that laid out, but take us back to when you you're neither of you are married, and you meet.
2: Um, my father had died of kidney failure and emphysema, oh. and um, it, so before you were even married, he right. So he, he didn't get died. to walk you. No, didn't? he didn't. Wow. Um, which is one of the sad things, you know, uh-huh. of my life. He never got to see, um, you know, any of my children or anything uh-huh. like that. So, um, which I'm sure he would have been proud of. Yes, yes, you know, um, and so. Uh, my grandparents lived, or my dad's mom and um, my step-grandfather lived in Vermont. And so I love Vermont. It is where I spent most of my summers, you know, either that or camping. Um, and so I, there came a time when I just felt that I needed to leave home after dad died, after taking care of him with my mom and stuff. And so I moved to Vermont. Um, and I was working in a nursing home. Uh, and decided that I really would like to have So
1: you were hours. using your nursing um, yeah. training um, at, at a nursing home. Wow, that's great. And then you decide to move in with your grandparents in Vermont, which is also a big leap for yeah. a young girl uh, to kind of semi-be on their own, even though they're with the grandparents. And so, um, go ahead.
2: So uh, I decided that I didn't like the 11 to 7 shift anymore. You mm-hmm. know, because 11 at night to 7 in the morning, I you basically don't have a life, mm-hmm. you know. So I went looking for another job. And um, there was a group home for the mentally retarded. In um, So I met my husband in his pajamas in the group home for the mentally retarded. Okay. <laughs> that paints a really <laughs> funny picture. It does, but, and I love telling that. Okay. So, so he, he was working there or he was no, living there? No. Nope. Uh, what happened is is... I went in for the interview, and as I was in for the interview, there was to the 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 group home. Okay, there was this man that was calling, you know, in the middle of the interview to make arrangements to come out. Um, And so I got hired, and the first day I walk in, and I go to make the coffee, and I notice that there's this person on the couch in gray pajamas with blue polka dots. No, fashion was not a statement, you know. So, um, so I said to him, um, "Hello, you know, because uh, uh, we had never met before." How can I help you? I right. work here. Who <laughs> are you? And, and he 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 says, uh, "I mean, we had we had crossed paths because he worked nights and I worked days, so you know, we didn't really see any." each other for like the first couple of days. I knew he was there. I knew there was, you know. So um, he sat up, he sat up and he said, oh, hi. Well, since you're here, we might as well get to talk. So we started talking and then our boss walked in and he realized he was in his pajamas.
1: (laughs) Now, why was he in his pajamas if he worked there?
2: Um, They had a, a security system. Um, that was not functioning, and there was a wonderful client who was six foot five and When he decided that he was going to go any place, he was dead weight mm-hmm. and so what happened is is they had to have somebody sleeping downstairs, so in case he decided to sneak out into the middle mm-hmm. of the road, you know, so um somebody had to be downstairs at night,
1: okay, so he got to sleep overnight. At yeah this yeah he basically
2: home. lived there, and okay. I just came in. He was in staff, I was out staff okay so um so yeah that's that's funny it is it 's really funny, and he Jeff hated to drive, he still hates to drive, but he hated to drive i 'll give you there 's a couple of funny stories from that um uh, one day it was raining, and uh, the boss figured she was going to force him to drive the van. And so she said, well, could you go down and get a dozen Dunkin' Donuts? And you, basically, to to drive there is like two seconds. Okay, you just go down one street, down the other street, whatever. So an hour later, we're still waiting. And um, he sa- she says, um, where's Jeff? I said, well, the van's still outside, isn't it? She's like, yeah, I expected him to take the van. I said, no, he walked. So he walked in the rain down two blocks oh. to get the Dunkin Donuts just to avoid driving. <laughs> oh, it's here's so a man that
1: really doesn't like driving. <laughs> no. Now, is he a good passenger?
2: Yes, he's a very good passenger. Okay.
1: And does he navigate does yeah. he help you navigate? Yeah, okay, he, great. Does. he does. So, <clears throat> I you guys get married, you meet there, you get married. Now, tell me about you you now have 5 children. Mhm. Um I, I really would love to know, because my mother had five children, and there comes a time in all of our lives that we will either have to, you know, follow the Lord or not. So are your children, I, I imagine they're in their
2: 20s. Yeah. Okay. Are Are they all walking with the Lord? They are now, yes. Um, my eldest son had a about two weeks of a crisis of faith. And then he, um, you know, started really walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I, um, let's see, we got married and we got we got engaged on New Year's Eve at a Chinese restaurant.
1: Okay, because
2: our favorite place to eat was Chinese restaurants. Okay. So, and the funny story about that is, is he went to ask me. Um, Jeff is very in, uh, very honest man. He he cannot lie, you know, and. That's I know that sounds funny, but no, um, it doesn't. But <clears throat> that's I, my husband too. Yeah, but I um, I wanted more water than they had, so I went over and got the pitcher of water. Well, technically, I was stealing the pitcher of water. So when the guy came over to you know, he looked at the pitcher of water, he looked at me, and he said, "Do you want me to leave this there?" But, and I was like, "Yes, please." And but Jeff was ready to crawl under the, you know, the the table. Um, so he presented the ring and. The funny story is, is just before he got the ring, um, he said, if I asked you to marry me, would you? I said, well, you, you know, you got to ask first. He's like, well, I didn't want to buy the ring <laughs> and then not have any place what to use the answer it. the no? Yeah. So, um, so he, he puts this box on the table and I said, what's this? He says, it's a box. I was like, what am I supposed to do? I knew what it was. But what am I supposed to do? He says, open it. So I open it and there's this gorgeous ring, and um, I said, "Well, what am I supposed to do?" It's I, the stone is gone, so I had to take it off. Um, so he uh, he says, "Well, what am I?" I said, "Well, what am I supposed to do with it?" He says, "Put it on." I said, "Aren't you supposed to say some words 1st <laughs> We're talking about a shy guy it's here. Right. <laughs> okay. So he got down on one knee in the restaurant, and then he he said, "Will you marry me?" And I said, "Well, I'll think about it." You didn't. <laughs> I did. I was messing with him at that point. I guess you and were. And so I said um, I said, "Well, of course I will." Right? But the the funniest part of the whole story is, is they allowed us to use checks back then to um to write to, uh, to pay, pay for the, the meal. bill. Yeah. But he forgot to sign it. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was all flustered. He was. He really was. So, um we got we got married in uh, September, on September twentieth. <laughs> now you can't forget that day. You know, it's either the twentieth or the twenty-first. I can never remember. But um, our pastor, and the reason is, is because the the pastor that was supposed to do our ceremony got defrocked a week before our wedding. So, and we had to move the entire wedding from the indoor to the out from the indoor to the outdoors, you know, so forget the bride seeing the groom before, you know. And uh, during uh, the reception, the punch bowl shattered, you know, and so it was just one of those, you know, mix-up things. But um, so we, and then we moved from St. Johnsbury, Vermont to uh, Newport, Vermont, And that's Derby, Vermont, and that's where we live. Okay, so
1: you are married. You're in Vermont. And he's, I've heard his testimony. So I do know that you guys have moved a little bit um, because he's from Chicago. And you moved to um, Vermont as well in your married life. And then now you're in Arizona. Yep. But what I do want to ask you is some questions about the things the, all that boring stuff that you have to do for him somebody's got to do it and I'm talking about getting ministry things because I know that when I when I called um, and said you know I'd like for him to come and do the show and stuff I had to talk to you because <laughs> and you know I've I've known um, him through... George, right? But I've never talked to you, and and so it was great to get to know you on the phone, because here you were, um, and asking all the right questions about setting this up. So it's a to do. Your job is—I mean, he's fortunate that he has you, but some some people in ministry, um, the guy has to do it all himself because the mother is busy raising the children. But, so you set up his appointments, and you'd fix his calendar and try to arrange places to stay, and all of that kind of stuff when you are on the go with the ministry,
2: yeah, um basically, from the very well, we homeschooled our kids too, so that's add a that big in job there. I mean talk about being a mom and then homeschooling yeah. too um and and so I had to mix the raising of the kids with um, getting everything set up. So when he would go on tour, I would need to make the arrangements for um, basically, you know. Everything. Yeah. And so I was an administrative assistant, um, you know, Mm -hmm. without pay, of course. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. But, you know, he needed you. Um,
1: Now, I also want to talk about um, the children and you don't have to be specific as to um, when, but you must have known every one of them and what when they accepted the Lord. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. I mean, was it the oldest to the youngest, or was everything in the middle?
2: Um, our basic structure of our, our day, it, take you back a little further. When they were in the womb, we sang the Shema to them. Mm. Um, because babies hear in the womb and they mm. know their mother's voice and they know their father's voice and they know all that. Um, you will find children that are like classical music. Well, that's because in the womb, they listen to classical music all the time, you know. So we figured if that was going to happen, then what we were going to do is we were going to get to the word of God in there, you know. So um, from the time Ariel was our firstborn, he... Um, he he, I I said the shema to him every night in both Hebrew and English, and so we were determined that 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 Deuteronomy six four was going to be as you know as you walk by the way as you you know sit as you stand we were determined that that was going to happen within the house their
1: life's the life's word right daily and,
2: and Jeff. Constantly, I mean, he'll come out and he'll start talking about, you know, these complicated, uh, you know, uh, theological things. So the kids were used to hearing that at the dinner table. They were used to hearing that. at. So I had the privilege of leading them all to the Lord. Um, and I'd probably say it was right down the age level, you know, uh, Ari first, then Rivka, then. And they were all very young. They were all right around that four that three, four, year old age. Um, you
1: know, um, I, I've talked about this on previous shows. I I teach third, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders um, the Bible with a group called Release Time, and we go to public schools, and nice. uh, we're able to uh, lead people to lead the kids to the Lord. But the point that I was trying to make in that is that. Um, the third graders are eager to raise their hands once they have a clear picture of who Jesus is and what his life was all about. Um, And they're shooting up their hands. And some of these kids have never, ever gone to church before. Mm -hmm. And they've asked some really serious questions um, about who he is and, I mean if, if they're unclear they'll ask questions and and I'm I can see that there is a change in the kid that came the day before. Right. right. And um, so <clears throat> Jesus becomes real to them and you can see a life change even at a young age. Yeah. And and I believe that I've seen I I've, I've seen that
2: in in different kids too. So you were able to lead all your children to the Lord. Now, remember, we had we had a distinct difference in our household. We celebrated both the Jewish holidays and the Christian holidays. We forgot to so, mention yeah. the
1: fact that you happened to grow up in a Christian home. And, of course, you know, Jeff is Jewish, mm-hmm. and now he's a Jewish believer. But you were a Christian. Yeah. So you had that background. So you merged the two together. Now, do you celebrate all the holidays or just Christmas um, and Hanukkah?
2: We celebrate all the holidays. Um, we got away from celebrating Sukkot um, because it was cold in Vermont. Yeah, so. that's where you put
1: the um, yeah, the uh, palm tr- tr- fronds yeah. outside and build your little hut.
2: Yeah, you couldn't do that.
1: Uh, a little enough. bit tough, yeah. yeah.
2: And, I mean, you're supposed to sleep out there. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) It was a little cold in Vermont. Those those outside heaters don't cut it in Vermont.
2: No. And when we got to Arizona, um, we have a postage stamp for a backyard, Mm -hmm. you know, which, I mean, I went from 2.14 acres to tiny. Yeah. And I get claustrophobic at times. It's like, I need to see trees. You know, just let me see trees. Um, But... So you do celebrate
1: Christmas and Hanukkah yeah. and, and Passover and Easter. Passover and Easter, and they're usually at different times, but right yeah. close together. Actually, Christmas and Christmas and Hanukkah can sometimes be a month apart, almost.
2: Yeah, Hanukkah this year is well. Sometimes uh, Hanukkah and Thanksgiving come at the same time, mm-hmm. um, and then. But this year, it's uh, it was uh, December eleventh is when it starts.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
2: Um, you guys got to race back home
1: to get back to get your Hanukkah stuff it's up. It's already
2: set up. Oh, good. I, I What I did is I took Thanksgiving down. I put Thanksgiving up at 11, at 1 o'clock in the morning, you know, so everybody woke up to all my Thanksgiving decorations. And So on Friday before we came out, I took all the um, Thanksgiving stuff down and put all the Christmas and Hanukkah stuff up. The only thing we don't have is a tree, mm-hmm. and I'll get that, you know, when we go back. So Okay, so currently
1: you have four of the kids at home and two are married. Is that right? I have three of the kids at home. Oh, three of the married. kids at home and, and, and three are married. Two are married. Two are married, one's out on their own. That's right. Okay.
2: Um, <clears throat> so um, Ari is still in Vermont and he married a wonderful gal, a Gentile gal by the name of Kate. And they have my, my only daughter mm-hmm. whose name is Eliana. Um And then um, Gabby, uh, so then there's Rivka and Yosef in their home. And then Gabby's the next one down. And Gabriella got married this past September. She got married September 5th, which is her dad's spiritual birthday. Oh, okay. Wow, how neat. And so now she's living out in Peru, Indiana. And her um, husband, Jordan, is uh, an associate pastor at a, a church out there. So, so do you
1: guys still worship together? Do you do you do you have a church that you go to? I mean, we is do. it open?
2: Yeah, we do. Um, Rivka has decided that she wants to go to a different. We go to Southern Baptist uh, Southern Baptist Church. She decided she wanted to go to a different church, but she'll sometimes join us. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yosef um, and Devorah and Jeff and I go to Hillside Southern Baptist Church. Okay, over in, um, in uh, Phoenix. Okay. So the pastor there is, he's hysterical. He's just, he's wonderful. I just love him.
1: I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've laughed a few times here. I feel like every time I'm in their presence, we just laugh all the time. So somebody that doesn't surprise me that you've picked a pastor that. Um, makes you laugh, too. Yeah, Laughter is good for the soul. Um, so I love the fact that you were raised in a Christian home, and at a very young age, you came to know Jesus as your Savior. And at 13, you made him your Lord. It's really... Um, you know, I've heard people say I rededicated my life at that time. But really, there's a transition. You know that he's you're saved. Yes. But then you bring him in and realize he's not just the God of, you know, f- taking me to heaven, but he's the God of my life. He is Lord of my life. Right. And so you do that. And I'm sure your children have done that as well. Okay. Yeah. So, second generation, you were able to, just like your parents have, um, coming from a Christian home and very solidly um, training up the kids in the way they should go.
2: Yeah, we, since we were homeschooling, we had the privilege of not only picking their curriculum, which was all Christian, um, we also had them go to Owanas. And mm-hmm. I don't know, you know. Yeah, I- Well, one Explain it a
1: little bit. We've got about two, one minute. So just explain that very quickly.
2: Awanas is a program that uh, teaches, has kids memorize Bible verses and play games. Mm -hmm. And so one of the privileges that we had was being homeschooled. I could take the Awana verses. And incorporate that into the Bible curriculum. And so they were always up ahead of their, uh, their Iwana stuff. Yeah, that's but, so great. But the, the important thing was that the, the one thing that we stressed and the important thing was in, that we felt in our household was, is you had to make Jesus yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't live on your parents'. Um, your salvation, parents, salvation, salvation. Right. And it was important that you um it was important that you were saved because um, you know, uh we knew where the world was coming. We've read the end of the book. Revelation tells you exactly where things are coming and you don't want to be there. Exactly. So
1: Well, I am so glad that you were able to come and explain this and I'm also glad that I don't just get to talk to you on the phone. I get to meet you in person. And you came along with your husband on this trip so that you could um, share and your husband could share. I know that you're here not to just do my show, but you guys are going to be busy doing other things. But I want to thank you for joining us. And just so that I could tell the the, um, the listeners... In advance, she is going to come back and teach on Proverbs 23. I mean, 31. 31. Yes, the most hated woman in Christendom. And so we'll have you come back. Um, But I do want to talk to the listener that might be out there that thinks, you know, I really don't need to make a commitment to the Lord. You know why? I'm so good. I'm living this very straight and narrow life. Um, and that's the kind of life my my husband led. Um, he he knew he loved God, but did he have to make a commitment? No, he felt like I'm just doing just fine on my own. Where she didn't. But if you can relate to any of that, because you're such a good person, you too need a savior. It's not it's not it, it's not just those people that have this horrendous testimony that you know I did drugs or I went to jail or whatever it's everyone. Every, Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus died because he loves us. Whether we are actively doing a big sin or we, we feel like we're walking this sh- straight and narrow path and don't need a Savior, you too need that s- Savior in your life. And the only one that ever died on the cross and shed his blood for your sins and mine is Jesus. And I like the way Ray Comfort says it. Um, Have you ever lied? And the person will say, well, you know, maybe a little lie here and there. Well, okay, that makes you a liar. And the Bible talks about that. Um, Have you ever stolen anything? Like maybe taken something from, you know, your job. Or maybe even, like she said, she took the water jug from one place to her table. Have you ever stolen anything? Well, it's just a little thing over there. Well, now it makes you a liar and a thief. Well, that's us. We've all committed sins. If that's you today and you would like to make a commitment to Jesus and make him your Savior, say this little prayer after me and mean it with your heart and repent from the things that you were doing back here. Repent of your sins and turn from, doesn't have to be really wicked, but the past, those sins. Say this little prayer after me. Dear Lord, forgive me for my sins of my past, present and future. Lord, I choose you, Jesus, and I make I'm asking you to become my savior today. Come into my heart, my life, lead me in this journey with you. Help me with my walk with you. Surround me with people that know you and love you so that I can walk the rest of my days here on earth. with you. I give you my life and I ask you to ch- help change this from the things that I did in the past. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you've said that prayer today and meant it, give us a call here at Hope Radio in Corona, California and let us know. Or write me on 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 the Road with Jesus. There's an email there where you can let us know that you've accepted Jesus. We'll send you a Bible if you want one. On the Road with Jesus. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again. God bless you all.
0: Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus you'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhodey Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher.